Mr. Down to Dungeon. Mr. Yeah. Um, Mr. Pete. Mr. Pete. That's a way of saying like you're angry or you're mad. Don't be miffed and peeved. Miffed. Don't be miffed and peeved. <laughs> I don't want it. It's a real world. It's a real world. It's a real world. I don't use it. It's Not real. in your vocab? Down to dunk. Yes. This is Stephen Adams. Don't be miffed and peeved. No, you can't be miffed and peeved. Sorry. This is Stephen Adams. You can't be miffed and peeved because you're listening to Down to Dunk. Welcome to Down to Dunk. This is your host, Andrew Schleck. We're part of DailyThunder.com. We're also featured on Dash Radio, 5 o'clock Central Time. If you're listening on Dash Radio, welcome. We are an Oklahoma City Thunder show. With me today is my good friend, Michele Vera, Chartside. Michele, how's it going? It's going great. Uh, I mean, we have we had like a weird basketball season, a basketball week, as always. Uh, yeah. So we have a plenty, plenty to discuss. <laughs> Typical Thunder week for... Yeah. For whatever reason, uh, Thunder are 12 and 13. Uh, they're 25th in offense at 102.1, second in defense at 100.2. Uh, I believe they're eighth or ninth in net rating. I, for some reason, didn't write down the ranking. One point plus 1.9 net rating, net rating. Uh, there's still like a good team in there somewhere, Michele, but it's not on the offensive end because they're 28th in field goal percentage, 43.7. 28th in three-point percentage, 33.8. And 29th in free-throw percentage, 71.2. Only the Chicago Bulls shoot worse from the free-throw line than this team. And that's weird. Yeah, I mean... Again, it, it was a typical Thunder team where you say, on Monday, you say, whoa, wow, Thunder really tur- turned the corner. Then you said, oh, and then, well, maybe. Yeah. So it's, <laughs> it's, it's, it's a bit of a roller coaster this season, uh, so far. And yeah, I mean, the, Melo and Russ struggling as much with their shot is really puzzling to me. And the free throw is, is just like something, too weird to be real, um, but uh, so far it is. I mean, Russ improved a bit uh, from the beginning of the season. He's around seventy plus percent. If I last time I checked, and I mean, having guys that, that aren't good free throw shooter all over the place does not help. But this bad, like having a team like this bad uh, after twenty games, is something that I didn't expect actually. Uh, in terms of shoot, shooting and freedom shooting, especially. Right. I mean, all they really have to do is be middle of the pack in these. Like, they don't need to be elite. But if they were just average, like NBA average shooting, like mm-hmm. we're talking about one of the best teams in the NBA because of the way they play defense. Um, yeah. But they're not. That's why the no. game below 500 is because they can't make free throws. They beat Brooklyn if they just make some free throws. I'm sure that we can go back and look at a ton of games and say, you know what, if they just make their free throws, they win those games. Uh, oh, the two against Minnesota at the beginning of the season right. were just by free throw. I mean, I remember we, I remember discussing with you that, I mean, that game, if you make your free throw, there are two wins and you're looking to a like 4-1 start of the season instead of a bad start. Yeah. And you have guys like Alex Abrinas. He's shooting 69% from the line. Felton, 68. Adam, 64, which is fine for him. Uh, but mm-hmm. then, like, Russ, 71% is probably what's killing them the most because he's taking seven a game. Yeah. Um, 
but it's 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 just very odd. And they almost lost the game against Memphis, except for Memphis didn't want to win the game either. <laughs> they didn't want to win the game the most. <laughs> yeah, I mean that game was. Um... I mean, I, I watched live the last ten minutes, uh, like uh, overtime included, and and then I rewatched the day uh, the day after, so yesterday. Um, it was actually just missing a ton of good looks. Yeah. Then, yes, you have Melo doing his his like Melo thing, like taking ten mid range shots, but I still think that the Thunder are just in a shooting slump from the beginning of the season. They they can make. They can't make good shots. Uh, they can't make bad shots. So it's it's very weird to have uh, like with all the talent we the Thunder has have. I mean, having this kind of shooting slump throughout like twenty five games is really really weird. Uh, I don't know if, if it's something on their mind. I don't know if it's if it's just shoot, shooting selection. Uh, probably something in, in between. I think that there is something in their head. Uh, they are not playing as loose as they could. And so, I mean, overall, it's it's hard to find a real explanation about this, their shooting because it's it's really weird. Yeah, it it, it is. I. I don't know what else to say is that like they've been bad, they shouldn't be bad, but they continue to be bad. And I don't know why, because this is not like they should all be shooting in the 80s free throw percentage wise. Even Mellow's 76% from the free throw line. Uh and that and that's just like unacceptable. When you have like when you have your two of your best free throw shooters that are shooting in the 70s, like that really kills your team. And I mean they're just lucky that Jamichael Green missed both those shots. Mm-hmm. Um, first, they were lucky in regulation. Marcus All, you know, makes one out of two. Memphis gets the offensive rebound, and then Tyreek drives in. And Tyreek Evans, like Tyreek Evans, was really good. <laughs> he was Thunder. like he like he really really solid. Uh, I guess the Pelicans just like kill players uh, besides big men because um, mm. he was because he was just tearing up the thunder he was really good yeah thunder thunder defense was not spot on on transition and he he got the most of it i mean uh, he got the most of it so that was one of the issue uh, in the first part of the game because again the offense i mean it's hard to generate good shots and then they ne- if they never go in you you are probably uh not as good in transition defense and that yeah. that is obvious because you generate more more defensive rebound but at some point they were playing with um, a unit with Kyle Singler and other people that I don't remember yes. because I was solely focused on Kyle. He <laughs> he, he he lost the ball like um, above the break, mm-hmm. and he didn't went back in transition. Yeah. So he stopped there and then walked back in transition. So I mean, that is not a knock on on, on Billy Donovan, but I mean, if you have a guy in Kyle Singler that doesn't play all season long, and after three possession that he's in. He does something like that. To me, you are never seeing the court again. Like never. Yeah. <laughs> I, 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 I'll, I'll, probably you're going to be in a suit for the rest of your career in OKC because I mean you're not talented enough. Okay. Um, I haven't give you a ton of space. Okay. I give you an opportunity when like we are in need of anyone playing good basketball and you are not sprinting back in uh, in transition. Like after two minutes, 
that that's that's completely unacceptable to me. And and to be honest, that was a big part of OKC losing, um, like being twenty points down against Memphis because that lineup didn't make any sense and, and it was very bad. Yeah, uh, I've been a defender of Billy Donovan, but I cannot defend those rotations. Like I can't defend not playing Josh Eustis over Kyle Singler. Like I just don't even understand it. Like it mm-hmm. just makes no sense. Like he was not any good last year. Josh comes in, sure, he's not shooting the ball well, but every other number that I can find says that he's contributing well on the defensive end. So, and you can even see it, and I know that he struggled a little bit against Memphis when he played for like five seconds, but I just don't understand not giving him a chance because I I do think that if you can get him going, I think he can shoot threes. Uh, But I just, uh, I don't know. I can't defend Billy on that one. I just can't. No, and um, yeah, I mean, Josh is not shooting the ball very well uh, from three. Uh, that is um, a real uh, statement to make. But still, I mean, he's not as bad as other guys. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, he, and he plays like, he's shooting like 31, 32% from three. And I think that with him, uh, giving him more opportunities uh, and not just spot, up, spot opportunities could help uh, in the same way as Alex Abrinas, uh, as he showed in the last two games. Mm-hmm. Um, so, I mean, he's giving you defense at a good level. Um, it's a solid guy. He, he will he will not put you into trouble making, like, bad choices all over the place. And so I, I don't really understand that. And probably, again, as we said, uh, we are we're being hard uh, on Russ and Melo, and rightfully so to me. But the rotations, I mean, Billy, this season is doing like probably too much uh, experimenting. Probably, um, he, I know that he wants to know what he has, but some player is he, under his guidance for three seasons. You yeah. should know what you have. Mm-hmm. And you should know you should give them like a bit of stability just because. And I discussed that with Fred um, two or three days ago. Um, I mean, just because you are you, you can't have that kind of a start of a season if you have if you have this team. So you you need to to postpone a bit your your experimentation when all the other things are going well. Um, that that is my main my main and only criticism of Billy so far this season. Well, not only the, the fact that players don't do what what he says probably is the other one. But mm-hmm. yeah, there's nothing to experiment with with Kyle anymore. Like I just feel like the experiment's been over. <laughs> yeah, like, I just I don't get it. Here's one stat that illustrates how bad of a shooting team they've been besides their free throw percentage. Stephen Adams has 103 offensive rebounds to 83 defensive rebounds this season. Oh, yeah. I mean, that is just all Russ, Mello, and Paul George just missing shots is what it is. If they were shooting average, he would not... I mean, he wouldn't even sniff 100 offensive rebounds by this part. Um, So I I think it will be a good sign if we start to see his defensive rebounds go above his offensive rebounds that's something to watch <laughs> yeah yeah uh that that is that is a good point and i actually had a question about um someone on twitter that asked me if adam should be more um 
uh, say should go after his, his rebounds more on the defensive side instead of boxing out. Yeah, I think that that was an interesting question. I don't know the answer. I mean, um, probably what I would say, and that that's what I basically answered to him was, uh, I think that it, it's situational. So if you're paired with a bad rebounder, you can go after it. But if you're paired with with Drummond, for example, boxing in out effectively is much more important because you give Russ and other rebounder the opportunity to to get it. But I mean, I, I found it very interesting because I mean, Drummond goes after all the rebounds, and Adams mm-hmm. doesn't. So which one is better? I I don't really know. I think when you have such a dominant rebounder at the point guard position, I think that it's best that he gets it and start the offense. You know, it's honestly it's better that they that they play fast, and yeah. so that's how you play fast. It's hard to play fast mm. when your center is rebounding every ball. So mm. I prefer Russ and even Mello, who's been a, he's been a pretty good rebounder, and Paul George. Like, let those guys get the rebound, then they can bring it up court and see if they can find something quick in transition. That's to me, that's what I would rather have. But if it's like with a bench unit, then I'd rather him try to grab it because you know Jeremy Grant or two pad or whoever i mean they're not great rebounders so no no no. uh you ready to go over some of these games this week the thunder have four games yeah uh they play charlotte indiana charlotte at home indiana on the road uh philly on the road and then the knicks on saturday night second night of a back-to-back in new york it is um I mean, if you look at the record of the opponents, I mean, you have like two, uh, one team, two teams that are below 500 or around 500. In uh, Knicks are just below, and like Charlotte, uh, well below 500. And then you have two teams that are probably in the positive uh, with Philly and uh, and the Pacers. Uh, I think this week is very hard. Uh, hard, but in the same time, uh, at the same time, uh, you have like a lot of game that can give you a positive, uh, um, uh, say, um, that can confirm some positive trend because you, you don't face, uh, except for Charlotte, very good defenses, and so you can you can get away with some uh, maybe some easier uh, look on offense. And the the really the hardest game probably is the one uh, against Indiana because they are really rolling right now. I saw the first quarter, the first uh, half of yesterday's game, um, and I mean. When they get rolling, they are very, very hard uh, to to defend. Especially if Depot continues to um, to shoot like like he is doing, mm-hmm. and he's he's having like probably the best. I mean, one of the the, the most impressive seasons uh, so far in the league. Yeah, yeah, without a doubt. Um, you want to talk about Charlotte? Yeah, uh, Char- I mean, um, oh, can we talk about something else before we talk about Charlotte? Yes, yeah, sh- sure. Can I tell you about Andy's frozen custard? Oh, yeah, sure. I wish that you could have some, Michele. They have locations here in Oklahoma City. Uh, there's one in Edmond. There's some in Dallas, in Missouri. Uh, last night, took my family to Andy's frozen custard. I got, so I've never had this before, and I had it, and it changed my life a little bit. Um, I got the chocolate frozen custard and mixed in espresso, and it just changed my life. It was so delicious. Uh, my kids just get like these little sundays that have like sprinkles or cherries or things like that on it. They're so good. And my wife got like this like classic turtle sundae. It's got uh, chocolate, uh, chocolate drizzled on the vanilla frozen custard, 
Also, it has uh, caramel and then pecans and whipped cream. Ooh, it's so, so good. You have to go check out Andy's Frozen Custard if you live near one. Uh, please support the people that support Down to Dunk and eat Andy's Frozen Custard. Well, these sound delicious. <laughs> I look forward to try them. <laughs> when you come, I'm, I'm taking you to Andy's, and okay. it's so good. Uh, so let's talk about something that's not quite as good, actually a lot worse than Andy's and the Charlotte Hornets. This is a weird team. I mean, um, they had last season uh, a front court rotation that made sense uh, with Cody Zeller playing uh, a lot of minutes with um, with Kemba. Uh, with Dwight, uh, the, the first unit offense is not so smooth. They gave they give him a lot of post touches that I still don't understand why you have to give Dwight post touches uh, since he's not uh, exceptional. Because he's Dwight. Yeah, I know, I know. That's I know. why. <laughs> I know. Uh, but, but I mean, they, they actually trade for him. So they, they yeah. wanted him. So that's, yeah. that's the thing that you really don't understand. And then they have, uh, depending on the shooting night of uh, Batum and... Um, and Kemba, uh, you can have a great, uh, like a good offense or a very uh, bad one because, I mean, they, they go on like bad shooting stretches, uh, probably um, close to the one that the Thunder have. And so the first unit, I think you can match up very well because you have um, a four guy in Marvin Williams, which is um, not a as good uh, posting up uh, as others. And so Melo can definitely uh, guard him. You have a good matchup in Steven guarding um, Howard. The issue to me, if Robertson is not playing and Paul George is not playing as well, uh, is who's guarding reliably Kemba Walker. So Russ yeah. should have, well, at least Kemba is not a rookie. Uh, so he's <laughs> well established in the league. <laughs> Russ might respect <laughs> him a little bit. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> that was my point. Um, and then, this is a good game to hide Abrinas on someone that is not a very good shooter uh, in Michael Kikrigis because he he can shoot uh, from the mid-range especially, but it's okay to give him those. Uh, mm-hmm. If if he kills you like with 12 from 12 from the mid-range, you, you can call it a night and say, well, okay. Uh, hey, can I ask a question about Kid Gilchrist yeah. real quick? Yeah. Do you know how many threes he's taken this year? Oh, no, I don't know. One. Uh, one? <laughs> I, I was going for zero, but... <laughs> one! He's taken yeah. one three. That is, I mean, for for a wing, like, that's just impressive. Like, that's just yeah. amazing. Yeah, like, I mean, at some point, uh, someone should write about the how many teams in the league uh, have... Um, Three, um, three shooters or, or more uh, on the court and how that is necessary to have a good offense. Oh, yeah. Uh, um, yeah. Because, I mean, with the Thunder is like glaring to me. Uh, with the Hornets, probably is close to the same. Uh, yeah. and, so, I mean, Can I go over the injury report real quick for them? Yeah. Have you read it? Have you seen it? No, not, not, not yet. I was just looking into the their page right now. They could miss... Up to five players tonight. Batum, oh, wow. Batum might miss tonight. Frank Kaminsky might miss tonight. Jeremy Lamb might miss tonight. Uh, Julian Stone doesn't matter as much, but Cody, and Cody Zeller's not playing. So, like, they could be missing... Cody Zeller's definitely out, but they could be missing three other key rotation players. Yeah, maybe maybe um, 
we were going to see some Malik Monk who was uh, in yeah. the rotation at the beginning of the season um, and uh, I heard like uh, Richo uh, talking uh, with Nate Duncan about Monk uh, it's interesting how he basically um, uh, it was in the rotation then it's not it's a bit up and down with Clifford probably um, this happens to a lot of players um, but but still, I, I was very interesting about um, seeing on the court, at least. Um, yeah, so, I mean, uh, the Hornets are not very good in offense. They are very bad. Uh, but as we saw uh, during the last two games, this may not matter at all because uh, OKC uh, <laughs> like, is probably... Uh, it doesn't really matter the opponent. Uh, that is something that is also weird to me they can play good or play bad independently from who is on the other side of the court um so where uh charlotte could have could have had like some advantage is in the second unit rotation because they have uh with zeller and kaminsky they have a very good front court in the second unit but they probably neither of those is playing so uh, this changes a lot uh, in, in in the um in what uh, OKC fan can expect from uh, from tonight's game? Yeah, I'm. I mean, you're right. You can look at it on paper, and if all those guys miss, and I would be surprised if they all do. Like, I, it looks like Jeremy Lamb could play tonight. Um, but man, like you're right, the Thunder. Like you just don't know what to expect. Like they play that Nets team, and they just wet the bed. They were awful against the Nets. And then, I mean, there were some encouraging things to take from that Memphis game because they had to fight really hard to come back. I mean, they came back from 20 points down, end up winning the game. That's great. But why are you down 20 to Memphis? Like, they're not, they don't, they have like a couple good players. They have really just two good players. And then, like, you can't stop everybody. I mean, it was just, it was maddening. And, I just, you just don't know what to expect from this team. I think that hopefully Paul George plays because I'm just very interested, and I think that we both have been. And I think we're—I don't know if you're as excited as I was to see Alex Abrinas hitting threes. It was like watching my son out there. Um, but I'm really interested to see if we can get him with the starters. And oh, oh! Believe me, I I was excited. Yeah. <laughs> it was it was it was something like it was weird because I saw like the game split in two parts. Yeah, uh, the live part was great because I mean he he hit those also in crunch time. Oh man! So yeah. that that was incredible to me, and, and it's so simple because I mean if you have again it, it's it's very simple if you have four shooters on the floor, it's very hard. If, if two of those are great players, uh, if it's very hard to guard all four of them, especially right. if you have a rim running center. So you have the perfect um, scenario for to playing with Russ, like four mm-hmm. shooters, well, three shooter plus a, rim, uh, a very good uh, centers on, the, on, on pick and roll situations. You have it all there. Just try it for five seven eight minutes a game i'm not saying starting him because if you don't want to it's fine but just try try to go in crunch time with him try to to giving more space with the starters by probably doing some uh, like subbing out robertson early do something to play him with uh, with the starter because having shooters uh, with russ is very very important yeah sorry i interrupt you sorry no i mean it's it's absolutely true. Like they, 
he just needs to play with good players. I mean, mm-hmm. when you play him with the bench, I feel like he's very ineffective. And he had been. That's I feel like that's part of why he's shooting so badly because that that unit just is not good at finding guys. And maybe the same is with Patrick Patterson. Uh, Patterson is, is starting to look better physically. Uh, and I just wonder, like, and, and you've mentioned this, like, why don't, why don't you put him, you know, at the power forward? Like, I, I would like to see them sub out Robertson for Abrinas early. I'd also like to see them sub out Melo early and just see, you know, if you can get Patterson going with that second unit. Because I, I feel like that's also a lineup that we – had, th- had thought a lot about, you know, putting mm-hmm. putting Patterson playing a little bit bigger uh, and then having a guy that doesn't need the ball that's going to space the floor. He's not, he, isn't hitting, he isn't hitting his shots this season, but he's at least a guy that people respect. And so I feel oh, yeah. like that, that changes a lot. And, you know, Melo has at times been a floor spacer, but he's much more been the guy that's going to create his own shot. This season, uh, it'd be nice to see like Paul George and Russ with like a pure floor spacing four, and see like what does that look like. Uh, it looked like uh, it looks like uh, this, the starting unit without uh, the mellow trade. <laughs> Probably, <Right>. yeah. Sorry, <laughs> I shouldn't say that. But anyway, uh, no. I mean, um, I was discussing this um, probably also with you. Uh, the fact that. I didn't love the second unit with Melo, uh, basketball-wise. But in some sense, if you want to give Alex and uh, Patrick Patterson more time with Russ and Adams, you can do it in in two ways. Uh, You can do it in one way, uh, really. You have to have Melo as your second unit leader. Uh, And then you you probably sub in uh, Paul George a little bit later. So you, you play like two or three minutes with that unit. So that Paul George can come come in with Melo uh, in the second unit as 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 long as Steven Adams as as well as Steven Adams. So you can really have like a two three minute stretch where you have uh, Russ, uh, Alex Abrines, Paul George, Patterson, and Adams, say from the six minute mark up until the ninth minute mark, and then you you let Russ close the quarter. Uh, I think that if you do that, you can give that unit a little bit of room to outshoot the opponent and to really create space on Russ. And then you, you're probably looking at three minutes uh, of Melo doing his thing with uh, uh, Felton. Also because, I mean, I, I, I realized that after that hot start that Melo had with the second unit, he basically lost his rhythm. So maybe, and I said, because I, I, I really don't know the answer to that, maybe giving some more looks with the second unit, some look with the second unit again, um, not uh, as long as the one that he had at the beginning of the season, uh, may help uh, shooting-wise, because he can hit like two or three of his mid-range shots that are probably the best shots you can take with uh, without either George and, and, and Russ on the floor. And <clears throat> in the same way, in the same, in the same time, you give more uh, space to Russ and George uh, with uh, some shooting with them. Mm-hmm. Uh, anything else on the Hornets before we move on to the Indiana Pacers? Not really. Yeah. Um, they're not any good, but the Thunder are really good at making bad teams look good. So we have no idea. Yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> uh, the Indiana Pacers, they get them on Wednesday night. Uh, Paul George, if he's playing, returns to Indiana Pacers are 16 and 11. They're fifth in the Eastern Conference. Uh, they're 19th in defense, sixth in offense. And they have 
I thought this was interesting, and then I'll let you go. Um, they have six guys that have like really solid PERs. Thad Young, 15.5. Darren Collison, 17. Miles Turner, 18. Our guy Domas, 18.8. Al Jefferson, 21.7. And then Victor freaking Oladipo, 23.5. He's almost 60% true shooting, which is just insane. So I'll let you, I'll let you talk about this team. Yeah, to me, uh, the best way to summarize Oladipo's season is one tweet that I saw this morning. I'm sorry, I don't remember. Probably Mika Adams, something like that. I don't remember the name of the guy. Mm-hmm. They said that the number of points, uh, rebounds, assists, and blocks uh, that uh, Oladipo is currently averaging uh, as a shooting guard has been done two times uh, in the history of the NBA. Wow. Dwayne Wade and Michael Jordan. Full stop. Oh my gosh! So, so Debo is playing out of his mind. Um, I, I'm, I'm not here to say that I expected that because that would, that is a lie. But I expected him to be better than he was in OKC just because of his, of his like conditioning. Yeah, he's in an amazing shape. Mm-hmm. Uh, like he's, he's like lightning fast. If, he, if you look at all Debo um, last season. By by the time the third quarter or fourth quarter hits, he's gassed. Right now, in four quarters, third quarters, I mean, he's rolling. <laughs> Yesterday, he was he was in his zone. I mean, uh, it's really unbelievable to see him play like that. But again, last season, Oladipo wasn't bad. He had a bad injury, and he was probably out of shape for the most part of the season. This is not just on him. It's probably also on OKC because as a team, probably you're responsible for how your team is um, like physically wise. But again, I mean, Depo is like the signal that all Depo can be good uh, shooting wise were there. Not as much as this season, because I think that the spacing that uh, Indiana provides with the first unit is great, and this surely help him. Help him. La- last season, OKC had again three non-shooter plus him and Russ. Uh, so I mean, it's not it's, it's not just Russell Westbrook uh, tearing down others' percentage. It's probably because of the team that they they build up that wasn't again the team that was supposed to be. Yeah, without a rant. Rant on OKC Oladipo over. (laughs) Uh, Here's something that kind of struck me is that he has taken 141 free throws so far this season. He's hitting 77%. Last season, total in 67 games, he took 154. So he's 13 free throws away from matching what he had (laughs) in Oklahoma City last season. And I kept saying last year, if Vic could get to the free throw line, like that's how you make him an all-star. Like that's how you get yeah. all-star Victor Oladipo. If he can get to the free throw line, cause he was hitting well from three. He is a solid defender. Um, but a lot of times the difference between like superstars and these like, you know, high level role players is that they create their own shot and get, get to the free throw line. And so far in Indiana, like that's been the case for Vic. But again, who is clogging the lane for him? Uh, nobody. With the second unit, nobody. nobody. That's the key. I mean, you have uh, a shooting five in Miles Turner. You have a good spot-up shooter in uh, Tadiang. You have a great shooter uh, in Bogdanovich. And then you, you have Darren Collison, which can hit his own shot. Yeah, I mean, you're talking yeah. about five out. Five out. It means that the defense is spread out. Mm-hmm. Also because they are hitting shot. No one is at the rim clogging the lane for him. Yeah. Uh, in OKC, he had... When when he was like like 
a good uh, like a good shooting unit. He had two non shooter on the floor with him. Right. And Russ, uh, I mean, Russ is an okay shooter spot up off the dribble is not a good shooter so you are really talking about one shooters in that lineup and it was him so i mean it's it's i'm keeping i keep going back back to that but having more shooters will help everyone shooting percentage that is uh, that is very simple and i mean it was very good for Oladipo, shooting almost thirty nine percent in his good month. Like uh, if you if you if you take out the one close to his wrist injury, he was shooting thirty nine percent. And to do that with a non shooting unit as OKC had is impressive. Now he has all the space he wants, and he's making the most of it for sure. He has more opportunity because he's shooting. Uh, he can shoot like um, nineteen shot compared to the thirteen he had last season, but still. Where you put uh, a player like Oladipo matters a lot. Uh, you mean that Russ wasn't putting a stranglehold on Victor, Victor Oladipo's career here in Oklahoma City? Because that's okay. what everybody tells me, Michele, is that Russell Westbrook destroyed everyone's career last year, right? Yeah, especially uh, since, um, I mean... I mean, Oladipo took 84 millions when he was uh, uh, in OKC. So, yeah. I mean, Stanley's career is not just... It's, uh, like, to be honest, he was before going into the season. Uh, but ask Stephen Adams if if Russ strangled his season, and he probably said no. Right. If uh, uh, It's clear that Russ's season didn't help as much as he could. That is for sure. But to me, I would look in different directions. So you have Thomas, for example. Thomas is doing great things in, in Indiana because he's not playing as a four and right. he's not playing as a stretch four as OKC wanted because they had Enes Kanter. So if you if you trade Enes during last season uh, and probably you bring in a normal shooter, uh, like an Anthony Tolliver guy mm-hmm. that you can probably have, Thomas Sabonis probably would have had a very good season as a backup center. Um, I mean, some was roster construction. We kept saying that last season. I mean, the roster wasn't supposed to be like this. It was supposed to have like Dion Waiters as a guard, uh, Kevin Durant as a small forward, mm-hmm. and then it's, uh, probably um, a small lineup or something, or Hal Orford. Uh, as a a, a four Mm -hmm. so in that unit you have a ton of of shooting a ton of shooting and it was completely different from the one that we got so i don't want to 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 keep this much longer but again (laughs) putting 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 two two good players in the best situation for them is important to have their numbers look how they're supposed to right and I don't. People are rewriting narratives all over the place this season, especially for this Thunder team and Russell Westbrook. A lot of people are like, "Well, that team fit Russell Westbrook to do what he wanted to do last season." No, it didn't. It was one of the worst fitting teams in the NBA. You had like you had two good centers, but you couldn't play them together. You had Andre Robertson playing with Demonis Sabonis a lot, like you said. Who it just was not a good fit at all. And this season. This team doesn't seem like they fit better, but eventually I think that we'll see that they do. Um, but it just hasn't looked like it because they're just shooting so terribly from the field. I think that as those numbers go up, we're going to see like, oh, okay, like this, this is this does work or this should work. Um, but yeah, it's 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 been a it's been a tough season as a Thunder fan, especially seeing these guys play good in Indiana and. Part of the problem is, is like the, 
the judgment of the trade, you know, all summer was that, and it deteriorated into the Thunder gave up nothing to get Paul George. Oh no! Well, like we we knew that it, they didn't give up nothing. Like we we are, and especially you are like fans of Domas and his game. Like we know how skilled and how good of a player he is. Uh, we also knew that Vic is like I. He's a helpful NBA player. He's a two-way wing, and that's what everybody's looking for—is a two-way wing. Uh, I didn't think he'd be this good, um, and I'm with you. I thought he'd be better in Indiana, especially when you saw him in such good shape. I thought he'd be better. Uh, I didn't think he'd be an all-star. I didn't think he'd be this. Uh, but still, the the rewriting of all these narratives, and now it's completely flipped on its head. Where it's like, oh, the Thunder really—I can't—they give up these two guys. Are you kidding me? You know, for one year of Paul George, I mean, this thing is clearly going in the tank. I mean, it's it's really just tough to, to hear all these storylines as a Thunder fan this season. I do think that we'll start to see it turn some. I think that I think Vic will cool off. Uh, I think that Delmas is going to continue to be this guy, um, and I also think that Paul George and Russ and Melo are going to be better. And so I, I think that this narrative will start to turn a little bit. But right now, it's just uh, it's a little bit infuriating as a Thunder fan. Yeah, it is. Um, also, uh, this is something I was discussing with Fred this morning. Um, was that national writers for national writers is very hard to follow eighty-two games of a team. Yeah, almost none uh, watches like every single game, mm-hmm. and it's very hard to evaluate a trade if you don't really pay attention to what is happening on the court. Like, uh, sometimes for us as a Thunder fan uh, or Thunder, like, uh, media or something like that, uh, it's harder because we, we want those guys to be good. But to me, I mean, seeing Domas in Gonzaga, I mean, he, he was... He was a center. He played as a center. He wasn't a stretch four. They yeah. made him doing that because it was needed for the team. And then when I see him doing this stuff tonight, I said, well, this is the way he destroyed uh, Pertl in during the tournament. Yeah. I mean, I mean, he was doing that against NBA Town. So I, I haven't had any doubts that he could do it. Um, and so, yeah, I mean, sometimes you have to, you have to be more... Uh, more more precise on, on what you do and what you say because I mean Depot was a good player it was not a salary dump um, it, it was as good as Paul George for sure not but you get four years of him mm. in his prime and you can really you can have like a very good rotation player as like floor level because that was what he was in OKC plus a very good player a very good young player this is not nothing for mm. uh, for Paul George for one year of Paul George, which was what Indiana trade to OKC. And we said, um, like long ago, that if it is one season, by the end of uh, Oladipo's contract, probably Indiana get most of it. If it's more season of Paul George, then probably it's a trade that works for both. It works for both. So it's sometimes you can have it, as, as Roy said in a tweet le- yesterday, sometimes trade can work for both teams. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh but that's not how the NBA Twitter works, man. It's either you're great or you're awful. You're either the best or you're trash, and that's and that's really how things are evaluated. Like, oh, who who got the the horrible end of the trade, or who, you know, which which guy is you know the best, which guy's the worst. I mean, it's just that's how NBA Twitter works for whatever reason. Yeah. Uh, let's move on to the Sixers. They play the Philadelphia 76ers on Friday night. The Sixers are 13 and 13. They're 18th in offense at 104. 
10th in defense, 103.9, 14th in net rating at a positive 0.2. Uh, this team has a lot of talent. They have a lot of young talent. Uh, they have currently have four players that have uh, a net positive when they're on the floor. J.J. Redick, plus 1.5. Uh, ben Simmons, plus 9.3. Embiid, plus 13.6. And you know who's the, who's the highest when they're on the court? No. Oh, Bobby Covington, Robert Covington, plus yeah, 21.4 I mean, on the season, yeah. uh, which is crazy. Uh, some notable guys that are negatives, uh, Dario Saric, 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 sorry. Yeah. Negative 5.8, uh, Jared Bayless, negative 2.2. Who would uh, expect that? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and then the guy that every for whatever reason everybody talks about this guy like they're in love with him Rashad Holmes negative four point two. Um, so this is a obviously a very talented team. They've hit kind of a rough patch recently. They lost to the Phoenix Suns at home the other night. Um, but again, the Oklahoma City Thunder are really good at making teams that are struggling look really good and get back on their feet. Uh, so I don't know what to expect out of out of the Thunder that night, especially with all the young players that are on the team. I mean, Russ will play be playing no defense that night. Um, so it'll be it'll be an interesting matchup for the Thunder. Uh, and if they can get a win in Philly, like that's a really good win, even though the Suns won there the other night. Like that's still it'll be a solid win if they can win against this Philly team. Yeah, it is. I mean, I didn't look a ton of Philly uh, as of late, so I'm a bit surprised that they are in a 7-2 or 6-2, uh, 6 losses to win in the last eight, game, yeah. uh, eight games, um, because I saw them rolling uh, early on. Uh, I mean, the matchup that I'm, I afraid, I'm afraid the most is um, Embiid against Adams, mm-hmm. because Adams struggles a lot when he when he when he needs to go out uh, in pick and roll situation, um, so it will be interesting to see that. And also, who is guarding Jonathan Simmons? Uh, ben Simmons, sorry. Yeah. Um, probably it will be Paul, Paul George. George. Yeah, yeah, probably so. Uh, and he can he can match up physically uh, mm-hmm. with him. So. Um, uh, if all plays and it, it will be interesting to see how Simmons, um, that was one of the player that I completely misjudged uh, because I overvalued the, the shooting, uh, the lack of shooting in Ben Simmons. Um, but anyway, I mean, it's very interesting to see how he performs against uh, a top notch defender as George. And probably, I mean, we will see um, Andrew Robertson guarding um, Covington yeah. and, and or Reddick. That I don't know. Probably Redick. He runs around more yeah. screens than Covington does. And Coving- Covington and Embiid didn't play in their last game. And so mm-hmm. they're, they're both having some some back pains. And so they don't mm-hmm. know. We'll, we'll see. It'll, it'll, it'll be something to watch as a Thunder fan. Do either of them play um, against the Timberwolves on Tuesday? So something, yeah, something to it, watch it, for, for Thunder fans. Yeah, but it, was, it, was it the second night of a back-to-back? Last night? It was, right? Uh, it was, yes. Yeah, so maybe it's just the, it, could, it could be the back soreness is the these dudes need to take a rest. Yeah, at least for Embiid, Covington, there might be something there. Yeah, yeah, you're right. Um, but yeah, this is a this is a really solid Philly team, and they they have lost a lot of games recently, but they're still they still have all the pieces there to be a good team, and so 
I mean, Joel Embiid is an absolute monster, and so it'll be it will be interesting to see how the Thunder handle him and Simmons um, because both those guys can go off, and then they. I just have a bad feeling, <laughs> like like they did with the Nets, that they're going to overhelp and leave guys like JJ Redick and Robert Covington, who are both, you know, having really good shooting seasons. So I just, uh, I'm, I don't know. It'll be this. This is just an interesting team. Covington, forty two percent on the season from three, uh, and JJ Redick, thirty nine percent, which isn't his best year, but still, which two guys you have to cover. Yeah, yeah, it says a ton about the kind of player that he is. Um, but yeah, this this Philly team will be a a good challenge for the Thunder uh, and a little bit of a barometer to see where they're at at the end of the week. But this team fluctuates so much. Like the yeah. this Thunder team, like they can you know really show up and they looked really good in the fourth quarter of that Utah game. And then they lay an egg in Mexico against Brooklyn, and then they just come out awful against Memphis, but then ended up closing the game and winning it. Um, some of that by luck and some of that by you know, Memphis being awful. And so, you know, the Thunder have, and we haven't talked about the Knicks yet, but they have four really challenging games this week. You know, Charlotte, I, I think that they'll continue to play hard at least, and Kimball Walker could go off. Indiana, they're, they have a great record, and their offense is really good. Philly is solid. And then the Knicks, who are also 500, they play in New York, second night of a back-to-back. The Knicks are like the most average team in the NBA because they have the 15th-ranked offense and the 15th-ranked defense Great. in the NBA. <laughs> Net rating 17th at a minus .5. So they'll be without Tim Hardaway Jr., who's actually been really good for them this season. They're a yeah. plus 8.4 when he's on the court. Uh, Chris Stapps started the season off just on fire, and he's definitely cooled off since then, uh, but there's still a plus ten point five when he's on the court. Um, so, and obviously we have these Thunder guys returning with, um, you know, Doug McDermott and Ennis Canner. Um, we're the same guys that they've been. You know, they're given they've been given an opportunity. You know, yes. So much of the NBA is about opportunity and coaching, right? Like, yeah, I mean, to give the opportunity to the player who actually deserves them—that is one yeah. thing that, as a coach, you have to you have to really um, learn how to do. So, yeah, I, I feel that giving thirty minutes to to Doug uh, in like twenty twenty like twenty plus, let's say, from twenty to thirty, depending on the night, can help you because is I mean, you can hide one or two bad defenders. Especially if they can space as much as uh, as Doug uh, does. So, I mean, I'm happy to see them actually be having like good seasons so yeah. far. Yeah, and Canner is. I don't know. People are so weird in evaluating the Thunder like versus like the guys that go to a different team for the Thunder. I don't like Canner. Like everybody's like, wow. Like now we can really see what Ennis Canner can do. It's like, well. He's like the same guy that he was before. He's an offensive rebounding machine. Uh, he can score on the block, and that's really about it. And he's not a good defender, and he still hasn't been great um, in New York. And he he's the same guy, uh, Doug McDermott. Like we know, you know, he's a scorer. Uh, it's, it's not like he's like blowing things up. He's scoring eight points a game right now, um, but mm-hmm. he. And he's not even taking. I, here's what I have never really understood about McDermott is that he doesn't take that many threes. You know, he's taking two point eight threes per game. 
in, mm. in 23 mm-hmm. minutes. And that's weird, right? Like he should be yeah, taking, he's a hell of a shooter. Yeah. He should be taking but like he, six or seven. He likes to to attack closeouts. He does. Uh, yeah, and, um, that can be. And, and, and to be honest, I mean, uh, to find a uh, like a common between these two games that we are discussing now, it it will be very very interesting to me to see how they they guard those teams. Yeah. So uh, I'm I'm sure you noticed, but for for the listeners, I mean. Uh, OKC has two ways to to defend um, other teams. One is switching uh, one through five, or at least one through four, and most of the five the pick and roll that involves Stephen Adams, depending on who is switching. Um, other games like the one against uh, Brooklyn, the one against uh, in Utah, and also Memphis for long stretches, they didn't uh, switch. They just hedge uh, and go um, over the picks uh, and over the screen, and they do a different defense. Uh, so, in some sense, with Embiid on the floor, it's hard to make a one through five switch, especially if you're switching Adams and Russ, because our, uh, Russ cannot guard Embiid uh, in pick and roll situations. Mm-hmm. But if the 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 like the main pick and roll handler is Simmons, and you have Paul George, then it makes things very interesting uh, if you if you switch because you have George against Embiid which is not ideal but not as bad and with the uh, with the New York I mean in the first game of the season Kristaps basically killed everyone yeah who was guarding him including his own man so it makes sense to go back to switching and to let Adams guarding the pick and roll as well as he did um, one thing that mm, the thread highlights so much during the season is how good Steven Adams is in using his hand uh, to clog the passing lane in pick and rolls mm-hmm. and that worked really well against New York so uh, um, I'm really interested to see how they will guard these two teams also because the, um, it's not a ch- it's not coincidence then that in the two games uh, Memphis and Utah where they didn't use switching at the beginning of the game they were more fresh at the end of them while when they switch a lot in the first half of the game they are gassed by the end so it's taxing to have the full switching because it keeps five players involved uh, in the def- on the defensive side for all game long, which is very hard to do, especially if you at some point say, well, I'm a little tired. I just check a 20-footer instead of running an offense. Uh, and so it, it, it's something that it's worth monitoring uh, going into the second part of the season because – like of course, if you're switching, your defense is much more effective, but it, but your offense suffers. Can yeah. suffer, especially if your if your conditioning is not uh, as good. Right, and when you're shooting as poorly as the Thunder are, you <laughs> you have yeah. to wonder if it's even worth it. You know, yeah. Um, especially when you're playing teams that aren't that great offensively. I think you're playing the Warriors and teams like that, or you know, when they play the Rockets on Christmas Day. I think that it makes a ton of sense to do that. Uh, but when you're playing teams like the Grizzlies or you're playing, you know, Philly or Charlotte or the Knicks like they are this this week, like, is it really worth it for you to do all that work on the defensive end when the ball is going to end up in somebody's hands that really can't shoot it anyways or that's not going to be able to make a play anyways? I, I just I, I think you're right that it's something to watch, especially this week, especially against Charlotte. Um because they, if they are going to have all these guys out, like if Batum can't go and Jeremy Lamb can't go, like it'll be like there's no reason to do that. There's no reason to exhaust yourself on the defensive end 
Um, the Thunder really need to. I, I'd like to see them. I hope Paul George plays, and I would like to see a Brainus in the starting lineup. And I would just like to see them leverage their talent and the shooting ability of these guys to get easy shots and to be able to take a team really, you know, off the floor by you know shooting and being dominant offensively. And as you know, all the offensive numbers that we've read so far in this podcast, like this team has just been awful on that end. And so it'd be nice to see them get going, you know, and, and have, you know, five guys that are a threat on the offensive end out there and see what does that look like? And what does the defense look like? Does the defense fall off a cliff whenever you take Andre Robertson off the floor or is it okay? Uh, which I suspect mm-hmm. that it would be okay. Um, so I don't know. I find tonight to be a really interesting night for the Thunder, especially if Paul George plays. Yeah, one, two more points if I have time um, on this. So the first one is I remember uh, an interview um, that Fred did uh, with uh, with Billy Donovan talking about the free throw shooting with mm-hmm. Abrinas on the floor. And the numbers are glaring. Uh, when Abrinas is on the floor, Thunder have very um, a better uh, free, uh, free throw rate. So they can go at the rim um uh, at will, basically. Yeah. So Billy basically dodged. The, I don't remember the the exact answer, uh, but he basically dodged the question, saying, "Saying well, something well, we is is him shooting the free throws." Uh, so it's it's like you have it there again. And on and the second point um, is. I, I'm looking into Marcus Smart's season, and I think that the Thunder can take a lot uh, about his season. So yeah. he's not starting every night for them. Uh, he can, but most nights, uh, if I'm if I'm not wrong, he's not in the starting unit. Let me check last night where he had uh, another amazing game. Yeah, no, he's uh, the first guy of the bench. He is by far their best defender. He's for sure, better than Brown, Tatum, or, of course, better than Irving. But they started their defensive stopper from the bench, and as soon as he goes in, he changes the pace on defense because he can guard anyone, basically anyone. There was a, like an hilarious tweet by Matt Moore on that uh, that you should go and read. But anyway, so why this cannot be a blueprint for what other teams with a great defender do uh, with their second unit where of course the offense will not be as good but if you have um, like Melo in the second unit it doesn't make all that difference if you have Robertson, Grant and maybe Patterson another defender with him right? because he will shoot it and he will create shooting opportunities for others if you, if the, if the, you have like other players with him on the court so uh, random player you don't have to put a ton of, of offense um, with Melo to, to take him to, to let him take his, his own mid-range full up so I wonder if that can be something that the Thunder explore in the future just to see how it works yeah I I wish they would I wish they would and it may they may be concerned about like hurting Robertson's confidence, but it may give him more confidence to know that, you know, like you have just a couple jobs like this is, and this is all we really expect you to do is to be the best defender on this team. Um, and when we need you to, you can be a cutter and a guy that can, you know, set picks and stuff like that, but we're not expecting you to be like a starting level two guard here. Like we can take you off the floor. Sometimes we'll start you against the Rockets. We'll start you against the Warriors, but we're playing the Kings, like you're coming off the bench playing 10 minutes, you know, like we just don't need you to, 
to be on the court for 30 minutes that night. Uh, I don't know. I don't know why there's no, I mean, there's obviously a ton of leeway in how he handles the bench. Um, but there's no leeway for Billy when it comes to the starting lineup. And that's been a, we've, I've talked about that in the last few weeks, but I think the team might benefit from it a little bit to, to get the, to get games started really well. I feel like, you know, in the first half against Memphis, I mean, you could just see it. Like when Robertson, yeah. he was inactive, he's parked in the corner and it kills the spacing and it leads to really bad shots from Russ and Mello because frankly, there's no other options sometimes. And it's, mm-hmm. uh, it, it's maddening. I mean, Robertson is one of the biggest conundrums in the NBA because the team is better with him on the court. Um, but what's struggling right now is the offense and he without a doubt kills the offense event yeah and last last really last thing i mean great teams have uh rhythm and and or uh stamina changers from the bench mm-hmm. you have the the net rating guy from the bench why why under robertson cannot be that for the thunder sure. his defense is capable of making it like a change just if you if you have him on the floor with Grant and even with Eustace, I mean, go full defense with either Melo or us. Having like yeah. five guys that can defend the hell of out of anyone and be be that your your identity. So you say, well, Dre, your duty is to go there after five to six minutes. We are not saying that you you he come he comes in like and plays five to ten. No, we are looking at the twenty minutes players probably. And when you're there, you have to stop anybody. You play as a four on offense because I mean probably you can do that with the second unit much more than in the first one. You you do your thing and we are like when you are on the floor with the second unit, we are not letting anyone score. Full stop. Why this cannot be a thing? <laughs> that that I don't understand. Yeah, yeah, it's <laughs> it is weird. Uh, and I don't know. I'd like to see Billy play around with this. Some, Michele, we can follow you on Twitter at Mikey Barry. You really should be following him, Thunder fans. So please go follow him on Twitter. Go follow his project at Chart underscore Side. Follow us on Twitter at Down to Dunk. Please leave us a five star iTunes review. I appreciate you guys that have done that up to this point. I know there's a lot of you that listen uh, to every episode. And if you could just take the time, maybe you're at lunch or you're in between meetings or something, just click on your podcast app, click on the little magnifying glass, search down to dunk, leave us a five-star iTunes review. That would really mean a lot to us if you take the time to do that. Uh, Tell your friends about our show. If you're talking to a Thunder fan about how frustrated they are, say hey you should go listen to down to dunk they explain a lot of different things about the thunder uh it would mean a lot to us if you would take the time to do those two things we hope you guys have a great day and we'll talk to you guys again on wednesday